is it this week? Time is like, I don't even know what time is. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Hey, this is Nika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And you're listening and or watching the Snob West Show, where we talk all things Apple and then some. Welcome back to another week of our show, our web series, and our audio podcast. Um, thank you all for tuning in for another week. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's start with the lowdown where we talk all things Apple. Uh, this week, we're going to start off with um, what you need to know um, on about Apple AirTags. And we are going to reference an article by none other than Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. <laughs> so let us know what we need to know about these AirTags from uh, your... We'll personal yeah, so, usage yeah so i uh like like we mentioned on the show um i've had them for about a week now i was able to find some el cheapo um um key tags to hook them onto the keys so mm-hmm. i got i got a pair on my keys and i'm eventually going to give a pair to my wife to where she can hook them onto her keys and the uh story uh wasn't necessarily a Here's how you set it up. You know, here's how you rename it. It was more like a here's the things you need to know. Right. So some of the things I mentioned was the fact that there there's no charging involved. Like the popular tile devices, you need to charge them up. This one uses a regular, you know, watch battery that needs to be replaced on average once a year. Um, One of the things that I mentioned You know, some things you need to know is um, can you the probably the main thing was can you track people? Yes and no (laughs) is kind (laughs) of like the answer from based on, you know, my, uh, you know, messing around with it and reading other people's, you know, reviews or, you know, what they've done so far. And you the way it works is. It's anonymous data. So, you know, to an AirTag, my watch, my iPad, my MacBook, my anything else, Apple, it won't know who those devices belong to, but it uses those devices to create, I'll do uh, air quotes, a mesh network to where it can triangulate where it can find these devices. So while my AirTag, if I lose it and somebody picks it up, I won't know, oh, that's Nika's phone. She's 20 minutes away or whatever. It'll just triangulate and give a position, a location back to me. But the where it could kind of be used to track is, let's just say um, Nika needs to borrow my car and I give her my keys to my car with the AirTag on it. Um, she drives and run errands. She does whatever she needs to do, whatever the case may be. Since I know that I gave her my keys, mm-hmm. I can track where you are going because I get I know I gave you my keys, right? Right. 
Now, the trick is supposed to be so technically speaking, let's just say you were here and I slipped an air tag into your purse or on your person or whatever. You know, I can technically track you for up to three days, unknowingly track you up to three days. After that third day, the air tag will notice it hasn't been near me in three days. So then it'll it'll omit it'll omit a sound. And if you didn't know that you had you were being tracked, you're going to be like, what's that noise? And you're going to search around, mm-hmm. dig in your purse, find my air tag and say, oh, he must have, you know, accidentally put this in my purse or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. You can call me, you know, you can uh, hold your phone up to the air tag and see whose it belongs to. And you can give me a call and say, hey, did you mean to leave this in my purse? And, and that sort of thing. So technically speaking, if you know you gave your air tag to somebody whether they knew it or not, since you know who it, who, who you gave it to, who you gave it to, you could track that person. So that was kind of limited, right? Mm-hmm. But only for three days. So you couldn't, if you're trying to track your baby mama. <laughs> or if you're trying to stalk somebody. Or you're trying to stalk somebody, <laughs> you would have to slip this on them. And whatever you're trying to do, it better be within three Done days. within those three days. Right, right. So if you're going <laughs> to break windows <laughs> or you're going to hide in the bushes, you know, get it done within those three days. That's just for now. I think you mentioned last time we talked about it, you know, as this evolves, we're pretty much the guinea pigs mm-hmm. trying this new technology out. As Apple, as Apple watches and sees how people use them, they get the feedback, they'll adjust accordingly. So that three days may be cut down to one day you know, based mm-hmm. on some other parameters, based on some other whatever case may be. So depending on how people use them. But I think there's just the um, the feedback uh, from the community, the tech community, everybody's trying to figure out, can you track somebody? And mm-hmm. that's kind of like the consensus of, yeah, yeah, if you give it to somebody or you put it on your kids to go to school, you can kind of track their throughout the day, you know, what kind of locations they go to. Until it comes back to you. Once it comes back to you, then it resets. It resets to three days. Right. So that was pretty much the the gist of my story. Uh, There was a couple other things like, for instance, Android users. If they find an AirTag, they can hold it NFC up to the – via NFC, they can hold their Android device up to an AirTag. It will pop up. You know, this device has been lost. You know, you can put a message that says, if if found, please call this number or whatever the case may be. You know, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and that was pretty much it. Uh, how, you know, I kind of talked about how it is registered via your Apple ID. And if somebody just found an AirTag, they can't just say, oh, I'm going to erase the data off of this AirTag and use it as my own. It's registered to my Apple ID similar to a phone, a tablet, a MacBook to where, you know, even though you were able to, you know, you, um, uh, erase the data off of an iPhone or an iPad, it's still registered to me. So you can't really use the full capacity. So the same thing goes mm-hmm. for an AirTag. Sure, you can take it and move it around, but you can't assume responsibility or ownership of it, rather. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think those points, especially with the three days being away from home, quote unquote, home base, you know, it gives that sound. I think those are safety precautions that when they were probably creating this, they thought through of, because people are going to be not great people, regardless right. of what the tech is, 
what its intent were. People can find other ways to manipulate and use technology for nefarious reasons. Right. So I think they built in what they could um, as far as its usage to try and mitigate some of that. So, right. So, yeah. And I have to say, um, I, I got my mom ear tax for Mother's Day. And the setup was, of course, you know, with any Apple device in the ecosystem, pretty seamless. The only mm. issue we had was that she hadn't updated her phone. And so <laughs> we right. had to go through all of that before mm. we could actually do the air tags. But other than that, um, it took seconds. Right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's move into our next topic. And, um, that is, um, I think we talked about this maybe, um, either earlier this year or last year, um, as it related to, um, Apple extending out different programs to the AUC, which is the Atlanta University Center here mm-hmm. in Atlanta that serves Clark Atlanta, Spelman College. Um, let me say the full name because I don't want my Clark people. Clark Atlanta University, Morehouse College, and Spelman College. And I think now that uh, Morris Brown has been accredited again, they are, mm-hmm. you know, fully back in the fold. But what Apple has recently done is extended the Apple Developer Academy to Detroit and to Korea. They mm-hmm. have two different programs, a one-month program and a longer um one-year program. So um, essentially what they're doing is they're offering this program to people who would want to be iOS developers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's free of charge to those who apply and get accepted. And Apple provides all the necessary technology that you need to participate in this program. I think the first Apple Developer Academy opened in Brazil in 2013. And um, from... From what I'm understanding that with this program, Detroit is, you know, the latest one with the expectation of them expanding this plan out through more students and more locations um, each year. Um, and so, um, again, I mentioned they have a 30-day program that is a foundation, foundational course. Um, I'm reading from an article from 9to5Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 30-day course is uh, foundational information that covers topics including um, app development as a career path. Um, and they also have a longer, more intensive program that's 10 to 12 months that dives deeper into um, coding and professional skills. What's being offered in Detroit is the um, one-year program. Um, we'll provide the link in the show notes um, because it's it's open to everyone, but Detroit residents get um, priority. You don't have to have any prior coding experience. All you need to be is 18 years or over, older. Um, and um, from the article that we're reading, um, Apple outlines what they're looking for in an applicant, and it quotes, we are looking for passionate and creative individuals with a variety of backgrounds, big ideas, and motivation to participate. You don't need to have a background in coding, design, or entrepreneurship to be a student in the academy. Academy students are problem solvers who are not afraid of tackling the world's toughest challenges, are ready to learn, and want to make an impact. This particular program um, starts... Um, October 4th, 2020, 
one and it ends on August 2nd, 2022. Um, you need to be available, um, 20 hours to participate. You can choose either mornings or afternoons. Um, and it's being run in partnership with Michigan State University. All right. All right. Looks like I'm going to need to figure out how to uh, break into the Detroit real estate market so I can yeah. <laughs> find some properties <laughs> to uh, rent out to some of these uh, passionate and creative individuals with a variety of backgrounds, <laughs> so on and so forth. <laughs> right. And yeah. honestly, you know, um, there are a lot of car companies that are based out of uh, Michigan, particularly in the city of Detroit. So, you know, on your real estate game, people will probably be moving there because mm-hmm. I'm not, it doesn't say how many students they accept in the program, but um, I'm sure that will equate to some, some job boom, hopefully in that area and giving people, um, a, a different path into tech. Um, a lot of times we talk about it. The tech space is, uh, very much, uh, under, under the thumb of certain gatekeepers. They have all these different rules of how you can get into tech, what you need to do to get into tech. And I think this is just another way that's kind of breaking down some of those gates so that different types of people can come into the industry because the more variety you have, you know, not just in the tech space, but in any industry, it gives you, you know, a a better view. It gives you different ideas and different views from different people and it makes your product better. So um, it's, it's great for the city of Detroit. I know they're going through a bit of a revitalization. So um, yeah, definitely. And it says anybody can apply. It just gives uh, priority to Detroit residents. So if you are interested, if that's something you may want to get into, I say, go ahead and apply and, you know, see how it works out. You may get lucky if you, especially if you don't live in the city of Detroit. Right. And it's cheaper than going to college and it's shorter than going to college. Uh, all you need is 20 hours of availability. So you could do this during the daytime and then go to an afternoon job or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it's done in partnership with Michigan State University. So uh, Michigan State, even though you may not be getting a certificate or a degree that says Michigan State, it'll come from Apple. But the fact that you are using the same resources as Michigan State students should uh, give you some extra cachet. So Yeah, and with Apple providing all the technology you need, you know you're working on the latest. They're probably giving folks, um, you know, the new M1 uh, MacBook. So whatever you need, they're providing it for you. So that's definitely, you know, another barrier that some people face, you know, not being able to afford a Mac to, to do, you know, the iOS dev on. So, so I think it's a good look all around. So definitely if you are interested, apply, we will put the, um, the link in the show notes and we'll also pull out the application link just so it's easily accessible as well. All right, moving right along. Um, so it looks like there is a new app out there that is specifically for Apple devices in the authentication space. Um, I'm, I'm sure many of you, I know myself included, I primarily use Microsoft Authenticator or Google Authenticator, but Too Stable has released their, and it's just simply called Authenticator, um, um, app that's, like I mentioned, designed specifically, specifically for Apple devices. Um, and 
one of the the big things is you don't have to, I know we've mentioned before, Terrence and I both use LastPass. You have this master password you kind of have to keep up with because if you forget that, it's hard to recover all of your data that's stored in there and you have to make sure you know where it is, have it in a safe place or keep it memorized or whatever the case may be. But with this authenticator app, um, you don't have to create an account. You just have to, um, you know, remember, you know, the one password and it syncs and backs up to all of your devices via iCloud. So mm-hmm. if it's on one device, it's pretty much on all of them because that's pretty much how the Apple ecosystem works. Um, and it also mentions that um, you can import, it's possible to import your data from Google Authenticator into Two Stables Authenticator. Um, and uh, one of the other things that the author mentions that they really like is um, how, you know, you can copy something on, say, your iPhone and then paste it into, if you're, you know, if you have a MacBook, you can paste that content across devices. Um, they said it in this article, he indicates that it, it works, you know, pretty fast on this particular app. Um, so that's something that they uh, mentioned that was, um, um, a great feature of the app. Um, one of the other things I thought was interesting as well is that if you're on a Mac, you can scan the screen with the app to create a new account. So if you, you know, you're creating something, you can easily scan the screen and it will import that information into the app. So that's something that I think is, is probably probably one of the neatest things that you can just scan from the, from the Mac, your screen, and it picks up and it adds that um, new account to your, to your phone. Um, it also has iOS 14 widget support. Um, it also supports your biometric authentication, whether it be touch ID or face ID. All of the data is encrypted and stored on iCloud. Um, it looks like um, a little bit further down, it, it indicates that it's working on getting some additional support, a UTF support for the different browsers, Safari, Firefox, um, and Chrome extensions. Um, what does it says? Uh, secure account share and unlock with Apple Watch, as well as translation and localization in other languages. Um, it doesn't have a web extension yet. But if you have at least one Apple device with you, you can um, enter the uh, two-factor authentication code, um, even if you're offline up here. So um, yeah, it seems like this may be um, a bit of a rival to two of the most popular authenticators that we um, are currently in the marketplace. The app is free to download. But uh, you have to pay uh, roughly a $10 subscription, yearly subscription, to use the full force of the app. But if you use the free version, you can still add um, two accounts. I'm I'm surprised um, Apple doesn't have a two-factor authenticator app. You know, you mentioned Google, you mentioned Microsoft. Uh, I use LastPass authenticator. I'm surprised that Apple, with their main huge emphasis on privacy, data security, things of that nature, that they would not offer 
a two-factor authenticator app to where you can now of course they do have two-factor authentication for their devices so mm-hmm. if i need to log into an iphone ipad mac whatever the case may be i got to go to go through two-factor authentication to get access but like if i wanted to import you know banks you know social media uh, one of the things that I would highly strongly suggest you use two-factor authentication for is cryptocurrency because the last thing you want to do is one lose access to your wallet with all that money you making <laughs> or two have somebody else get a hold of your device and uh, bleed your account dry yep. right transfer it so, out yeah I guess like I said I guess my question is you know surprise Apple doesn't have one uh, maybe this too stable uh, Apple will do their thing, buy them, and integrate that into iOS 15 that's coming out this year. Yeah. So that'd be interesting to see if Apple scoops them up or they come up with their own two-factor authentication service. I lost you. Oh, yeah, I was on mute. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, someone was doing their alarm outside. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm probably going to do a little research into it and see what it's all about to see if, you know, maybe this might be a little bit more easier to use than um, the other two authenticators that I use. So, so yeah. All right. The last thing that we have this week in um, the lowdown, um, we've talked about this um this guy before um apparently the new macbook airs um that i'm assuming will have the m2 chip likely um there have been some uh some updates and possible design um from notorious leaker john prosser i think we talked about him um when it came to the apple announcement um his date his original date was off a little bit Um, but prior to that, he was pretty, um, he was pretty current with, uh, with his, his, his leaks. So essentially with the, um, new MacBook Airs, it looks like they're changing, um, some of the design that is typically known for MacBook Airs. Um, and the other biggest thing is that, um, colors we, in the spring loaded event, they announced that the uh, new IMAX would come in seven different colors. It looks as if the um, the new MacBook Airs are going to have those same colors as well. Um, John Prosser uh, indicated that uh, what they're basing these um, renders off of are reliable information um, for the blue version, as well as he claimed to have seen the green one as well. Um, the biggest thing is that these are super thin. Um, oh, I guess I can share. Um, they're supposed to be super thin. It's bringing back the white keyboard on the laptop. It's giving you, based on what, you know, I'm seeing on these images is giving you a little bit of old school, um, what I book, uh, as far as the curvature and like the keyboards and, and those type of things. Let me go ahead and, uh, you know, while, while you do that, I'll surmise, um, duh, 
<laughs> what I mean by that is it's it's not a stretch when Apple released this new iMac that just came out with all these pretty colors. It's not a stretch to say, oh, I bet the MacBook Airs will have similar colors as well. So let me go ahead and create these renders and throw these pretty colors on here for the tech blogosphere to uh, run with it. So, you know, like I said, I'm not, uh, you know, John Prosser, you know, he's doing his job to get clicks and links and likes and shares, but this is not a stretch. This is not, in my opinion, some, you know, ooh, uh, you're the first to leak this thing. So as a result, um, give me credibility. I mean, it's not that it wouldn't be in a stretch to say the MacBook Pros will be the traditional space gray, silver, and then a MacBook Air will have all these pretty colors. Same way with an iMac. You know, you got the iMac Pro. You know, you've got the Mac Pro that's got the black and the silver, the traditional colors. And you got the iMac with all the pretty colors. So this is not a stretch. Um, I don't think they will abandon that thin clamshell um, design and go with a more square thing. I, I, I think they're going to stick with the differentiator between an Air and a and MacBook a Pro MacBook. Right. outside of the colors. Right. And uh, he did indicate that it's going to come with um, two um, USB-C ports, one on each side. Mm -hmm. um, he mentioned a built-in SD card, a built-in HDMI. But what I have to say is a little confusing to me is if he saw one, then some of the guesses that he's making sure to call out um, because he said there is, I'm trying to find the statement where he said there is uh, some guesswork that came into the render. Um, but I'm my thought when I was reading the article is like, if if you saw it, then how much guesswork would you have to put into it as far as what he's talking about regarding ports, um, regarding shapes and colors? Yeah, no. Um I I hard pressed to believe that they'll add SD cards, multiple you know ports for the MacBook Air. You know it's going to have it may add you know a USB C you know on both sides, but that's about it. And then they're going to relegate all of the ports for the MacBook Pros because again, Apple needs a differentiation between the two. And, right, and if they're going to look the same, you know, uh, have the same features, functionality, but just the colors will be different. I mean, what's to stop anybody from just getting a regular MacBook Air and that'd be the workhorse, especially with this M2 or whatever they call it, this new chip coming out. There'd be no difference between yeah. that and the MacBook Pro. So, yeah, uh, I don't buy this one. Yeah, <laughs> you have to definitely take it with a grain of salt because he says, quote, as far as I know, two USB-C ports, one on either side. But in the terms of uh, I.O. from the images that we had, especially the angles that we had, um, they mentioned MagSafe, but um, he's not sure. 
Yeah, they're just throwing stuff at the wall yeah. to get people to, to pick up the story. Yeah, because, you know, like I said, when I was reading it, you know, about halfway through, I was like, wait a minute. But where is the guesswork coming in when you got one? I can see if you got information only from a reliable source, then sure, you may have to do some guesswork. But if you are, if you're saying you saw one in person, you know, I would assume you would at least get to kind of look around it to kind of get an idea of what it is. And one of the key points of the air is, is streamlined. You don't have all of the extra stuff going on. This is kind of like you're grab and go. You're in a hurry. You're, you know, quick. You don't need a lot. You just need to like maybe do some browsing or type up some things. You don't need any type of heavy duty processing. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it has, it leaves definitely some, some questions around um, this particular instance. Um, all right, that is it for the lowdown. Let's jump into second string where we talk all other tech. Starting us off for second string this week, um, Twitter launched their tip jar. So now you can tip your favorite tweeters straight from the, um, from the app. Um, it works, um, with, um, PayPal and, uh, Venmo. I think, uh, Apple released this last week and it started rolling it out to users. I don't have a tip jar. Um, maybe I'm not, uh, I don't have enough followers <laughs> for that, but to know if you have the, if you have this feature enabled, you just need to go to your own profile and you will see a little icon with like, it looks like a dollar. It looks like a, a little currency, like bill type of thing. You click on it and it allows, um, the user to link to their Venmo cash app, um, and other digital payment accounts in their bio. So when you go to tip a person, you can click on the tip and you can see what available, um, mediums you can send, uh, cash to, um, for a specific, uh, for a specific, if someone fires off a hot tweet that you are down for, um, you can easily uh, tip them. I know um, when this first came out, it was a lot of back and there was uh, one thing about, uh, I think some people were doing tests um, with PayPal. Uh, it shows your address um, when you make a donation, but the folks over at PayPal, because Twitter said, hey, that's on um, PayPal. We can't really do anything about that. Then Twitter, then PayPal came back and said, um, hey, wait a minute. If you use the goods and services option, your address won't be seen. But if you use the... Um, friends and family. The, um, yeah, friends and family. Then you get the... Um, you don't have... You don't see the address. But if you use the other option, you will see the address. And that's primarily because... When you think of people using um, PayPal for business, you know it's just another way to validate that this is a. Well, you need a re- you need a receipt. Yeah, if you're doing business. Yeah, and a receipt is supposed to have business information on it. Right, and it mm-hmm. it basically says, um, you know, 
this is business and we have to make sure that we have accountability for people who are sending money for goods and services, which is the business portion and friends and family, which is the free version and you don't send addresses. So all that to say, if you decide to tip somebody and they have PayPal, just be reminded that using friends and family option, you don't send your address, but if you use goods and services, your address will be sent. So thoughts on being able to tip folks via Twitter. That makes sense. Um, people, you know, uh, are helpful on Twitter, especially if you are you follow a certain person. They always give you news about, you know, Bitcoin or news about tech, for example. You know, if you're always reaching out to a certain person to, you know, get information for, you know, and you feel so inclined. It was. It's a good move for uh, people to be able to tip somebody on uh, Twitter, since a lot of people go there for information. information you know, outside of YouTube, you know, I, I don't think people go to Instagram or Facebook for like information. You know, they they may go to, you know, find out what's going on. Recommendations, like, maybe. I know right, people use recommendations but, but, a lot on Facebook, but. Yeah, a lot of people go to Twitter to find out, you know, what's the news. That's what's the news trending. source, honestly, for well, most people. Right. So, you know, if you do find yourself getting a steady stream of what you're looking for, you know, from that person, then, yeah, it makes sense for you to be able to uh, tip them. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how Twitter uh, monetizes this. Are they going to take a fee or are they going to keep it, you know, user you know, user oriented. This is a uh, a very I see this as a very user organic community of me deciding if and when and how much I want to tip somebody. Mm-hmm. For, and I can see if Twitter does try to get into it and try to broaden the platform and uh, make it official and and monitor everything and, you know, regulate all of it. It'll kind of take some of the shine off of it. You know, oh, you know, I appreciate what you did. Right. So um, hopefully, you know, if this works, they keep it kind of evergreen, keep it kind of minimal and basic and not get it all entwined, you know, and a bunch of regulations and fees. And I, know, I see if they do go that route, I would think they would probably get in some kind of partnership with the actual vendor. So they could go to a cash app and say, hey, we added this tip jar and we now have, you know, 50 million more being, you know, used to this app. How about we cut some sort of deal? Anything that comes from Twitter, from our app that goes into you, maybe you give us a fee or a percentage or that kind of way. I could see them probably doing it more on the vendor to vendor side than actually taking directly from. Which I'm surprised they didn't exclusively make it Cash App because the uh, Jack Dorsey, I think. Oh, that's his square. Square is his. Right. So I'm surprised they didn't front load it with Cash App and say, well, I guess you can do PayPal and Venmo as well. You know, so I'm surprised that that partnership is just made. I'm surprised they already don't have that in place. Probably because it's so new, they probably don't want to cut out anything. They probably want to get a baseline to see which service, you know, people use most on these apps. Could be a little bit of coordination for Square to say, hey, we have a lot of people that use other services. Let's try and win their business. So um, I could definitely see why they started out with the traditional ones initially anyway. They can always roll 
things back, which they've been known to do. Um, so they can start with say three or four and then, you know, once they see how it works, say, yeah, we just want money to come into us. So, so we'll see how it plays out, but it, it literally just happened. What was it this week? Time is like, I don't even know what time is, but it's very recent and it's just now starting to roll out to, um, to people, um, on their, on their account. So it's, it's still, uh, full steam ahead, you know, with getting it out to, to individuals. So, so yeah. So I thought that was very, um, a, a interesting take from, from Twitter because a lot of people always say, you know, um, you know, pay me for my words, pay me for my thoughts or people stealing, you know, quotes and, and things from Twitter. So this way you can now make a little bit of money, um, uh, different. Well, just when people, well, when you go viral, you know, I've always seen now, now the, the routine I've seen on Twitter is you say something, do something, post something, share something, it goes viral. And when people who the original poster was or the author sees that it's going viral, the trend is mm. they then backload that with, okay, well, you know, since uh, you're here, support, yeah, support <laughs> this or, mm. you know, make sure you do this. So yeah. this, it could be. Another thing that they do, you know, if you do go viral, you say, you know, if you appreciated that, whatever, whatever it was, you know, tip me, give me a tip. Yep. Cool. All right. Uh, let's move on in and talk a little bit of, um, Instagram. Um, something I saw when this first popped up, um, uh, T-Pain, the rapper, Atlanta based, um, he noticed on his Instagram that uh he had this folder with all of these messages and not just any messages he got messages from celebrities he was just scrolling endlessly of people trying to collaborate and work with him people like Viola Davis or Fergie or you know Jamie Foxx all these different people you know reaching out to him wanting to to work together and he basically ghosted them for like 2 years i think some of the posts went back as far as 2 years and he was like, I didn't even know this was here. It was it was funny watching his video about it because he was truly like flabbergasted. Like, what is this even? So mm-hmm. T-Pain being the celebrity that he is, he was able to get on a live with none other than Mark Zuckerberg, um, who is, of course, the founder of Facebook and also the owner of Instagram as well. He got into an Instagram live session with him and they were basically trying to walk through a way um, that makes it easier for people to see who who has DM'd them. Um, and, you know, there was a conversation that went back and forth about how we can improve this, how we can make it better. But Mark Zuckerberg did, you know, tell T-Pain why they created, you know, the request feature the way they did. And he says, quote, the reason we have the request feature is to prevent bullying and spam and other unwanted interactions to be able to filter that out. So basically the reason they have this, this separate folder for direct messages is to help people not get spammed and any type of bullying. Um, and so T-Pain's retort to that was, you know, there are certain people, he was like, you know, it's a good idea to have the folder, but there are just some people that, you know, it needs to go directly to your uh, direct feed. And uh, Mark Zuckerberg agreed saying, quote, 
I kind of feel like on principle, anytime Rihanna sends you a message, it should go into your main inbox. Um, so it's interesting how something as organic as, uh, you know, realizing the capability of a feature and the, I guess, privilege that T-Pain has to be able to pull in Mark Zuckerberg and have a conversation about it live is, is just another way to show how connected people are through social media. Right, right. And it's a way to give them some good press. Yeah, <laughs> true. They've been getting it. They've been on the, the bad end of it for a while. Recently, so to be able to you know, uh, curry some favor with, you know, T-Pain and his audience. That's probably a different, a positive. But I'll be honest, I don't know if T-Pain wants to smoke, right? Because I don't, there are a lot of requests that I get and I'm just regular old me, mm-hmm. right? Imagine if Mark Zuckerberg was able to, well, of course not him directly, but Facebook via Instagram was a way to figure out how to notify you, you know, once a day, once a week, once a, whatever the case may be, send you a newsletter. I don't know what they could do. If he missed two years worth of all these messages, imagine if he started to get inundated on a regular basis Mm -hmm. with all of these messages that Facebook or Instagram thinks you need to see. I could see them rolling out a feature and then two weeks later, people up in arms. Turn it off. Turn it. <laughs> I'm getting too many messages. It's burning up my battery. I don't have any memory left. And, you know, because all these messages. So um, that's number one. Number two, from a business standpoint, all the people that I want to work with or all the people who will want to work with me. I would think would find out a better way to find me than DMing me on a social media, a free social media platform. I can only speak for myself, Mm -hmm. but if I wanted to reach out to somebody directly, I'm going to figure out another way, you know. uh, Especially when you're this famous and this rich with the people that were reaching out to him, you would think they would have another way to find contact to kind of connect the two. Or, you know, uh, or do what most people do, you know, when they post something publicly, respond to it, make sure you add that person and say, hey, can I reach out to you or can, you know, not necessarily uh, plug from a social media thing. But if I put a post and some people say, oh, I like that, you know, uh, we should collaborate, whatever. Right. On the message, you know, because Mm -hmm. people, we are vain. So we want to see how many likes, how many comments we get. So I I don't know too many people who post something and just let it fly. They posted and five, 10, 20 minutes later, they're going back to check to see the comments. Who responded, how many likes they got. So if some regular person was just like, hey, I love your work. I would love to work together. You see that. And in your mind, you just scroll past that. But then you will stop at a, you know, like you mentioned. A blue check. (laughs) Uh, uh, right. Uh, Jamie Foxx or Viola Davis mentioning something. Hey, I love your work. You know, we love to work together. You know, let me message you, you know, and then you exchange the numbers, the phone number, the email address, whatever the case may be. Then you would do that business. I, I, I find it weird that all of these people. Well, not not weird. Um, I find it odd that people in the industry they have no other way to reach out to T-Pain and other in a DM 
uh, 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 right. into a social media DM. I would think there'd be some sort of channel or, you know, again, well, maybe that's publicist to publicist or right. exactly. two degrees. Of se- I mean, everybody in Atlanta is like two degrees of separation. So there, there has to be a common link. But I think what probably T Payne was thinking is people who are verified, they should go straight to my main inbox. They shouldn't be off in Siberia. Send the nobody, send the no, you know, the unknowns over there. I don't really care about them. But I think based on what it seemed like from him, it's like if Viola Davis is reaching out to me, I want to see that early. So that's what it I sounds bet, like to me. I bet money, bet money. That sounds good. <laughs> but then he would get these people. So to us, to us. Viola Davis, Fergie, Jamie Foxx, these are big people. But to another big another big person, quote unquote, they're just regular people. So, mm-hmm. you know, I I it sounds good, but I'm pretty sure that if this were to roll out, I guarantee you he'd be like, oh, what do you want? I'm sick of this. <laughs> leave me alone. Yeah. Right, It'll be alone. interesting. It's like one of those things where you don't realize how good you have it until you, until you don't. So right. now it seems it seems like a good idea because he missed all of this engagement and working with all these people. You know, now that he's seen it two years after the fact. But and if this is real time coming in, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Do I want this? Right. right. Which and, and, you know, if you want to dig a little bit deeper, it could have been been a bunch of fake. Ooh, I want to work with you, but I really don't want to work with you. But so let me just DM you. And if you see it, you see it. We can chat, but not really. Because like I said, if I'm if I wanted to find T-Pain to like really, really work with him, you I would do it. more than a DM on Instagram. So maybe he was just, you know, uh, uh, name checking people mm-hmm. in this post. Well, you saw in the video, he was kind of scrolling and showing all the checks of they could have just been like, yo, bro, I loved what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Mm-hmm. You know, let me know the next time you in town. Mm-hmm. Those type of messages, right? Yeah. Not some I I <laughs> again, my my nati- my night my my naivety <laughs> <laughs> is like, uh, yeah, I don't think, you know, Viola Davis is like, hey, I want you on my next film you know, in your Instagram DMs, right? Now he did go into the studio with Jamie Foxx right after this. So it's some people that's willing to work. But the thing is sifting through all of that to see Mm -hmm. what's real and what's just a little bit of fluff. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm starting to come around to your line of thinking. I think he probably doesn't really want this. <laughs> I think cool if it's say, certain it people, if it's certain people, he probably wants it, but he doesn't want it all. He only right. wants the top of the echelon people, because, not everybody. Now, now, I will agree with him when he put out the original. Oh man, I didn't know this existed. There are a lot of people that didn't know this existed, mm-hmm. you know, because I can remember Facebook doing the other, the other folder, mm-hmm. right? And you go in there and you see all these messages from all these people. Oh man, I missed it. Oh man, I missed that person. But then it was just like a. Oh man, I missed that. And you kept on <laughs> it wasn't scrolling. Like a, there was a golden opportunity in here that I missed because I wasn't checking my Facebook other folder. Yeah, I don't think that was the case. But and there the may time, be some of those instances, but they're likely few and far in between. He made, he made it sound like he missed out on millions of dollars, and I don't think that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I know some people are saying, man, I hope he does, after he posted the Jamie Foxx video, 
A lot of people are like, man, he should start like a, a IG reel or IG series or whatever, you know, documenting when he actually does meet with some of these people that he got these messages from. So okay. if you think nice that way, that'd be a little cute little something. That would, but then again, like I said, I'm pretty sure those people was like, yeah, I really didn't want to work with you like that. Plus just... that was two years ago and I moved on to something else. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to say, I think you may have added something else in here that we can talk about. Oh yeah, LG. LG. Uh, uh, the everything maker. They make refrigerators, they make televisions, but they were... <laughs> most known for making their phones back in the day when the smartphone wars was taken off before Apple and Android kind of shut or Apple and Google rather shut everything down to where they are kind of like the number the high end you know smartphone makers uh, LG has been out there forever uh, but I'm kind of you know a little bit sad to see that they have decided that they're going to close their mobile phone doors and they're going to just focus on things like uh, vehicle components, connected devices, smart homes, robotics, artificial intelligence, and business-to-business solutions as well as platforms and services. So uh, I think it's kind of sad to see the number three player. Like I said, they weren't no slouches. Mm -hmm. They were number three at the time of this announcement uh, that they're going to decide to stop uh, making sm- smartphones. So I, I just thought that was interesting to note that, you know, LG was pretty much hanging in there. You know, all these different names, you know, they had um, uh, LG, like I said, starting to go away. Um, HTC mm-hmm. kind of fell off. You know, uh, Zomni is a big one. They just got uh, US kind of said, okay, y'all can come back in cell phones in the United States because that was that big thing during Trump's administration that, you know, anything coming out of China was bad. So, you know, Zomni is a big uh, smartphone maker. They just started to get the green light back in the United States. But, you know, for a while it was LG, uh, HTC, um, maybe Google and their own devices and Samsung, of course. Mm -hmm. So Samsung, LG, and HTC were the three big Android makers. And to see uh, Samsung, of course, rise to the top, mm-hmm. HTC fall off, and now LG fall off. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a sad day in smartphone uh, mobile world to see a big name like that kind of fall off. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to to highlight that, you know, because I've had an LG phone and they were pretty good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I guess they were like, yeah, we'll move on and move to this uh, Internet of Things and connect everything else like refrigerators and you know smart homes things that yeah and especially if they're getting into the ev game they probably realize that the smartphone arena is you know oversaturated even though they were one of the big players they probably see the tide turning and probably are willing to say let's you know invest more on this electric vehicle stuff the smart home stuff and you know Let's take that money we were investing in the phones and push into these and maybe see a big return. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how it plays out for them, especially since they were in the top three. I didn't realize they were in the top three of sales. I, mm-hmm. that I, I did not know and um, would not have known. So <laughs> another one goes on to mobile device heaven and, um, leave it up for the other ones to kind of scrap it out 
All right. Um, the last thing that um, I wanted to cover this week in second string, it's been all over the news. It's been one of the biggest hot topics, especially here in Georgia. Um, Colonial Pipeline was hacked. Um, they are one of the biggest um, pipelines that transport uh, um, fuel to different um gas stations and, and, and companies as well. They daily prior to the hack were uh, moving about a hundred million uh, gallons of gas per day. They covered, I think a 5,000 mile span between from Texas up through New Jersey. And they are based here in Atlanta. One of our Patreons, uh, Zandy, who's a friend of mine, she actually texted me on Saturday and said, hey, um, this huge fuel pipeline got hacked. You may want to go and fill up on gas just to be safe. Fortunately, um, I was out running errands on Saturday. And before I came home, I did fill up. I was going to put it off because I was going to leave that next morning, going to my parents, but I was like, it'll probably be early when I leave. So since I'm out, I might as well go ahead and get the gas now and hop on the road, which I'm glad that I did. But what happened is, it's been all over the news, everyone's talking about it, but um, a cyber attack um, happened um, with Colonial Pipeline. And um, they are the most high profile victim of the hacking group hacking group called Darkside. So um, this group, they uh, consider themselves a RAS, meaning uh, ransomware as a service. So they don't, it doesn't appear that they work on their own behalf. They work on the behalf of others. So they provide a service to, um, to other people who want to extract information from, um, you know, certain individuals. So this isn't just your run of the mill, you know, somebody found, um, a random exploit. This is a, you know, a service that dark side is, um, right. is, is providing, and um, it's not a they had an axe to grind. That's the, I think that's the uh, the important thing uh, when you say uh, ransomware as a service. They don't have any particular, you know, skin in the game. You know, they are not specifically targeting anybody to overthrow or take down an entire government. Strictly money. They're, strictly yeah. a service based. Strictly they, service based. Uh-huh, they so there's people. no altruistic motive behind what they're doing. It's mm-hmm. strictly for money on behalf of their customers. Now um, their customers may have an axe to grind. Right. Uh, but they said that's my name is Bennett and I, I ain't, ain't in it. <laughs> Let me just you're paying me for a service. I am going to uh, provide that service. But all of this happened um uh like I mentioned over the weekend and it really has thrown you know everything into a bit of a tailspin. Um, from my understanding, they are Colonial Pipeline is still offline. Um, they are working uh, in a very limited capacity. They haven't announced yet what the exploit was and how they got into their system. But what I think overall this says is we've now entered into a new phase as it relates to 
gaining access into as it relates to cyber attacks. It's no longer, as you mentioned, you know, something altruistic or something with someone who has a personal vendetta. This is a service. And I think that maybe that this aspect of it is something that may be being lost in the conversation. You hear cyber attack, you hear ransomware, you, most people immediately think of, you know, that in a more traditional sense, not necessarily as a, a business model. And that's pretty much what I'm gaining from the article that we are referencing, um, Forbes. It's a very detailed article that goes into how dark side works, um, some other people that they have, um, that they have, you know, gone after and how they operate, um, as a whole. Um, I, I've been trying to find what the ransom demand was. I haven't been able to find it, but, um, they're saying that for dark side users, the ransom demand ranges anywhere between 200,000 and 2 million. Um, so I guess it'll be interesting to, to see what the ultimate, if they even say what the ultimate amount of the ransom that they were, um, that they were requesting to get their services back. Yeah. I don't think they're going to get it. Um, I think, you know, this is too important to the United States. It's infrastructure. Uh, Right. Um, so I don't think they're, they're probably outside of the notoriety, which probably in and of itself is probably currency. They may, they're getting business from that. Anything from, uh, this particular hack, but outside of, like I mentioned, just to, show that it can be done and it shows that there are holes in like you mentioned our infrastructure you know so not to toot my own horn but uh, I, I was a year late but i did as one of our tech predictions mentioned in 2020 that they were going to have a major cyber attack uh, of course i was a year late but you know I, i'll give you uh corona kind of slowed everything down so i'm a <laughs> you know, uh, to my own horn and say, I, 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 I told you so. it was coming. <laughs> I figured it was coming that the way to take down, you know, well, just to attack, you know, the United States in general was to hit, you know, our infrastructure or hit our, you know, whether it be physical infrastructure like this or the internet, you know, mm-hmm. if somebody were to figure out how to take down the internet in the United States, Ooh, I buddy. Mean, <laughs> things would cease Chaos. to exist. So I'm not to say glad, but silver lining, what this is doing is kind of revealing that there are some holes, some gaping holes that people can get into that could cause long lasting, you know, influential, you know, uh, issues, cause influential damage and collateral, you know, to United States infrastructure. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see where things go from there. But you probably you've already we're probably already going to talk about it in, you know, for the culture. Yeah. It's just the fact that people are, you know, <laughs> losing it, you know, already. Right. You know, and it's just a, well, not just that, you know, the ripple effect, you know, yeah. it's not just not being able to get gas for our own cars, but being able to trucks and being able to ship products, yeah. you know, because airplanes, you know, all these packages that we order on a daily basis you know, all that's going to be affected if this goes longer. But I'm just surprised uh, the news. Of course, I just shake my head when they first started to break it. They were like, 
this just in <laughs> news you know uh uh the pipeline has been damaged it's stopping all this uh oil from getting to you know texas all the way up to the east coast mm-hmm. but don't panic though don't panic but we want to tell you all this crazy stuff is going on and we have all the shy runs and everything's flashing everything, and blinking everything but but don't panic though it's all good <laughs> and i think also and i think also what this underscores is the timing of this their president biden has an infrastructure package right now waiting for congress to take action and people were before when it was first i think it's like 1.6 trillion or something and they were like and they were like well why we don't there's this makes no sense it's all this fat it's all this extra thing it's like a democrat socialist you know dream wish what do we need infrastructure changes for the infrastructure just fine before this even happened we knew that wasn't true but right. what this does is it highlights it. It's a big red arrow pointing down to infrastructure. And the Biden administration could say, hey, we tried to told you. We have something in place. Let's just roll into it. Um, mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, if our power grid was to go down, internet were to go down, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be, you know, another September 11th type event to you know Mm -hmm. really cause issues you know that's what 20 it's been almost 20 years now 2021 so it'll be 20 years this year Uh since the attack um in uh on september 11th happened now unfortunately folks have gotten sleeker smarter wiser they don't have to have uh, traditional and tremendous cause of life to affect our way of life. It could be something as simple as, like you said, taking down our internet, or in Mm -hmm. this case, causing a gas shortage for uh, a company that pipelines over a hundred millions of gallons of gas a day. It not just only touches individual people who are trying to get gas to go somewhere which they shouldn't be going anywhere anyway because we are in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> but nonetheless that. <laughs> that you know it, it it speaks to that as well so i will say um you know we'll just go ahead and roll into for the culture and it 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 piggybacks off this last conversation you know in the wake of all of this especially here in georgia people are hoarding gas there are lines so around the blocks. People are being stupid enough. I saw this one video on Twitter. This lady was putting gas in grocery store bags and trying to put it in her car. And as she moves, it's plastic. So it was stupid. just dripping through. I mean, as soon as she filled up, it would just drip out. People so had stupid. all of these gas tanks. Like this one couple had like 15 gas tanks. They were just, you know, gas cans. They were just filling up and stuffing in the car. Stuff in the car. First of all, there's no need to hoard all this. You're causing the shortage rather than the actual shortage from the pipeline breach. And it's just stupid. You're riding around with gallons and gallons of gallons of a gas. Flammable. Flammable yes. gas <laughs> in your back seat, in your trunk, in a vehicle that's already easily flammable because it's filled with gas itself so my question is two-part i kind of gave my opinion already 
the pipeline hack itself, do you think that's causing the gas shortage or just people just being, you know, ridiculous, similar to what happened at the beginning of the panic pandemic, getting out all the paper, like toilet paper, whatever. It's not causing it now because again, this happened uh, what over the weekend? Friday, I think. Right. Uh, it's not causing the it, it's not causing a shortage now, but it is definitely causing a panic. Mm-hmm. And what people are doing right now, either panic for panic safe because of oh, my livelihood or panic for as in uh, let me figure out how I can turn this into an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, either way, you, you know, either way you want to see it is definitely causing a panic because like I mentioned earlier in the news. They kept stressing, okay, well, don't panic because, you know, uh, there's still enough gas for this and that and the other. And, you know, this is a, where we're trying to highlight the the importance of this attack. But don't panic. But every single day, all day long, all you heard is about this uh, oil shortage on all the TV stations. So, of course, people are going to be like, oh, I need to. This is important because they keep talking about it, you know, and it's almost like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm -hmm. You have to stress the importance because this is the new, you know, cyber warfare. You know, Uh, this is how, like we mentioned, our digital infrastructure is probably the most important currency, you know, value we have. And for somebody to, you know, crack into that, you know, that could be a big issue. So they have to stress the importance. But, you know, of course, that people just took that ran with it now you know everybody's panicking because of one FOMO mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that whole fear of missing out so you know I'm personally not panicked yet because like I said one like you mentioned we are <laughs> you know so we've got enough gas to keep the car in the garage where it is anyway <laughs> yeah like when I got back home I, I filled up before I left I drove to my parents and before I got back on the road to come home, I topped it back off. And that was maybe another $10. So when I got home Sunday night, my original thought was to stop and, you know, put the 10 or so that I'd driven out back in. And I didn't. I was like, I ought to be fine. But I'm like, I got three quarters of three quarters to half a tank of gas. That's fine because I don't plan on going anywhere. And if I do, it'll be within my little area. But what uh, one of my friends did mention today when we were talking about it on our group text is the ripple effect. So now all these people are hoarding gas, the folks who need gas for a living Uh um, and people who say drive for Uber, who do Uber Eats, Uh Instacart, those folks may not necessarily be able to to Uh to get out and do their job. So that impacts them. And it also impacts people because if you can't get your, if you're not one to go out, you can't necessarily get your groceries delivered mm-hmm. or your supplies delivered. Now you got to go out, hoard up all the toilet paper again, hoard up all the canned foods again. And then, you know, really like doomsday people, I got to, you know, restock my things in case the whole thing just kind of goes to hell. Right, right. So yeah, uh, we're definitely not helping um, the news and the media, and we are causing a panic, which directly is leading to the sort shortage. But to answer your question, 
Uh, I think we have some time and I think this is important enough to where the government, you know, step in with BNSA, FBI, whomever to either a find out who was responsible and B kind of help this company out. Hopefully they're helping this colonial pipeline company out because according to them, they're dead in the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they've been know, shut. They've been offline since what? Probably mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming, you know, other agencies, whether they be private or federal agencies will step in and help them out. But, you know, silver lining, like you mentioned, uh, with Biden's infrastructure plan and all the money he wants to invest just in general, you know, looking back over the past, what, three years of all the stories we've talked about where this company has been hacked, this information has been leaked. This data has been put on the dark web and this company has known they've been breached for three years and they're just now telling us, you know, now all that stuff starts to make sense to where, oh, this is a serious enough issue to where we really need to start to be proactive instead of just figuring out how to do damage control in the aftermath. Because Mm -hmm. something like this major infrastructure going down can be running around trying to, you know, make people feel better about the fact that there's no gas. And trying to figure (laughs) it out on the fly without any type of real plan, um, you know, in place. So it's, you know, it'll be interesting to see how much longer this goes on because I personally think for this dark side group, they've probably gotten themselves more money, (laughs) you know, with just giving, you know, the world a, a look into what they can do. They probably have people hitting them up left and right now for their services after seeing, you know, what they can do. You know, that's not good, but at the same time, it it still is 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 out there. And like I said, I don't think that they'll get anything from this other than the publicity and probably the additional people trying to, you know, reach out to them to to get some to get some work. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much longer they can sustain being offline and how quickly they can figure out, you know, how they got in and figure out what they had access to um, before they can actually get back online. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, should be, should be pretty interesting. So I have one other thing in For the Culture. I don't know. Do you want to talk about it? Uh, sure. You can go ahead. Oh, okay. I, I kind of watched it, um, you know, off and on, let it play in the background for the most part. And what we're talking about is the Mother's Day versus between Escape and SWV, two extremely popular 90s R&B female groups mm-hmm. that went head to head over the weekend. Um the the pre-show they had pretty much two DJs representing each one. Escape is based and from Atlanta. All the girls in the group are four girls. SWV, three girls. Um, they are from New York. So are they? I yep. thought they were. I didn't know that. I didn't realize they were from New York either until I googled it because you know they oh, kept okay. shouting out. Uh, Spinderella kept shouting out oh, New York. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And um, DJ A One uh, was representing Atlanta. Um, Spinderella of Salt and Pepper was um, the DJ for um, SWV. Mm-hmm. Before it got started, they kind of did some sets back and forth, going back and forth with some classic uh, 
hip hop and R&B songs from their respective cities. Um, that was fun. I saw a lot of people talking bad about it, saying the transitions were bad and all that kind of stuff. I really didn't get that because I was just enjoying well, the music, especially from, you know, old ATL. I mean, I'm from Georgia, went to college in Atlanta, so I was pretty much just enjoying the music. Well, uh, you know, uh, the verses before that was Red Man and Method Man, and they put on a show. Yeah. So, you know, then for that to kind of not digress, but go back to the people just sitting around chilling. Mm-hmm. I think people were kind of maybe, you know, taken aback by that. You know, and, you know, SWV and Escape were performers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they eventually got around. The first half, performing. it was very Yeah, it was kind of late, you know, and then everybody back. was kind of reluctant, you know, and some people would get up and then they would go back and sit down. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like a, well, you know, we're just sitting around listening to, you know, music. And they were telling a little bit of stories. It just wasn't as energetic. It definitely was not as energetic as the verses prior to that. Now, mm-hmm. had... SWV and Escape came out before Redman and Method Man, they probably wouldn't have nearly had all of those comments, you know, but the fact that they were, everybody was hype, and then it was kind of like, eh. But then at the end, like I mentioned, they kind of stepped it up. So that Yeah, kinda... so for me, you know, I was excited about it, and then after I saw the first half, I left after the intermission, and mm-hmm. I had some friends who were still talking about it. We were talking about it in the group chat. And I'm like, I left. And I was like, oh, no, no, you may want to hop back in. It's picked back, pick back up. They're dancing. They were like, SWV got out of their super tight clothes in their heels and put on kicks and hoodies. And when Why they came they back out, like that in the first place, I don't know. I don't know. Because I was like, because I don't think SW, I mean, Escape didn't change, but SWV did. And I think before SWV, Escape, they got up and they did like a little routine to one of their songs. They were dancing. They did like a whole mm-hmm. little one, two step kind of coordinated thing. And the mm-hmm. second half when SWV came out more comfortable and laid back and honestly in more of what they were known for when they were, you know, heavily out in the game, mm-hmm. they loosened up and, you know, uh, were more fun and you could see their personalities. But one thing we didn't know is because I know everybody was like, for me, I was like, this seems really forced. The interaction between the two groups seems really forced. The interactions within the group, the separate group seem forced. I was like, this just feels really off. Well, the reason it was off was apparently when uh, Coco, who I would say is the singer of SWV, the lead singer of Mm -hmm. SWV, she led most of the songs. She said as she was leaving her hotel to come to the verses someone was murdered outside of her hotel she heard the gunshots she looked at the window and she saw the lady laying on the pavement bleeding dying oh man yeah and so she said that really messed her up and right, she said right. if it wasn't for her son and her team that were there she probably wouldn't have made it because mm-hmm. she was traumatized and so right. after hearing that i was like oh that Makes sense as to why you weren't up to have a kiki good time Maybe. at the verses. I, 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 again, I've never seen anybody or been in that sort of situation, but I will say that as verses has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, um, it's more of a production. And if it's going to be more of a production, then People are going to expect a production, expect a 
well, well, expect a production. And what I mean by that is um, with SWV and Escape, you know, they got all dolled up, right? And the mics were on. And so, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think everybody can do the Beyonce to where you're dressed all up and have all the makeup on, have the outfit, and have the big heels and do the whole show, song and dance, mm-hmm. right? So, Especially since they I, haven't been performing in a long time. The stamina well, is not quite there. Well, well, not just that. Um, a lot of the the women um, verses has been, for the most part, kind of just we sit down, we chill, kind of diva. Mm-hmm. You know, we look back and reflect, you know, because if you think of Monica mm-hmm. and, and Brandy. Uh, Brandy, they really wasn't all, you know. They sat whatever. in chairs and they sang songs and. You think of Keisha Cole and Ashanti. Um, and Ashanti. They wasn't all mm-hmm. rah, 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 rah. You think of Patti LaBelle and... Gladys Knight. Uh, they wasn't... Well, they stood up and, and sung, but that was about it. Mm-hmm. Versus the men, you think of Snoop and DMX. Mm-hmm. You think of, um, like I mentioned, Red Man and Method, Method Man. Man. You think of... Um, 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 who's the Atlanta rapper? The rappers, Gucci Mane. Gucci and, Mane uh, and Jeezy. They, you know, mm-hmm. more. It was more interactive, you know. And I, I would wish, and w- which is why I said, I'm why they didn't come out in, in sneakers and hoodies in the first place? Right, because that would have been entertaining for them to come out in sneakers and hoodies and dance around mm-hmm. comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I just thought it was kind of weird that you know it's like this whole we got to be you know stoic mm-hmm. and beautiful and you know relax this is yeah. supposed to be fun evergreen it's supposed to be fun and ain't supposed to be all this pressure but and back in like, the day when we were listening to this music we actually went to the clubs comfortable and danced and had a good time right so but i, I you know like i said i just uh, i think it's kind of weird that the bigger of a production is i feel like more glammed up you got to be and i think it's kind of taken away from the the or the organic nature. nature of verses. So you know, like I said, I, I enjoyed the Redman and Method Man because they put on they the show. were themselves and they were themselves and they were themselves and and it wasn't you know it wasn't even a typical rapper concert because most of the rapper concerts are just as boring mm-hmm. because it's fifty million people up there standing around. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You know that's that's <sighs> that's whack anyway. So. <laughs> You know, for give me you know, a show, give me theatrics, right? Right, or just for them to be having fun, yeah, right. It but I think, like, go ahead, outside of outside of the, the inside information with you know, Coco w- with what she went through, you know, eventually it, it, they kind of warmed up, you mm-hmm. know, but but it took it took the second half of the show to warm up, and if you were like me, you left. Because I was like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And at the same time, the bigger they make these things, because the stage they were on was huge. There was so much space in between them. In some of the previous verses, like Brandy and Monica, they were kind of like right beside each other. Uh, Gladys Knight and uh, Patti LaBelle were really close to each other. The more elaborate these stages are, because this versus had... Doritos as a sponsor and Soraka the sponsor. And they mm-hmm. kept plugging those throughout the show. So it felt mm-hmm. more like um, a Forced. quote unquote professional show. So right. when you are giving me sponsorships, you're giving me stage, you're giving me outfits, I'm expecting to see a show. I'm expecting right. to be entertained in a certain way. Whereas if you would have came out, 
you know, even if you would have kept kind of like your glam, you can be glam and not be, you know, heels and Stuffy. super tight clothes that mm. you can't really move in. And if the stage was more intimate, then that would have, I think, brought a different feel to it. But to me, until like the end, it felt very forced from, you know, the interaction between the groups and inner groups, between the DJs in the back, the shouting out of the Doritos moment. I was like, that's never happened in verses before. <laughs> the it's Doritos like, yeah, moment where you pick the song and then they kept shouting out Doritos the whole time. It just was a different vibe. Yeah. Verses is definitely getting big. And, and they better be careful mm-hmm. because it may get a little bit too big and people start to tune out because yeah. it is a big production. You know, uh, keep it light. Keep it fun. You know, let them, reminisce. You know, let us have, you know, uh-huh. our escapes from no pun intended uh, from, you know, the hellscape that we are currently in with all these mm-hmm. different things going on. A lot of times, especially in case like this, I think this is why verses really picked up before. It's because it was simple in nature. It took right. us back to a different time where we, you know, a lot of us were younger. We felt freer. We didn't have all the extra pressures. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that made it so great. But now when you make it this big ordeal, then it kind of, it changes the mood around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm not sure what the next one is, but uh, we'll see if they learn from this one and, you know, maybe step it back down or if they're just going to keep the foot on the gas and continue to go full throttle with all of the promotion and theatrics and production. So right. I guess only time will tell. All right, let's head on over to the hookup. What do you have for us this week? Uh, nothing really. I was just proud of myself because I fixed my gaming controller. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, really, really no major point outside of don't be so quick to uh, buy new equipment if your things break. You know, there's this whole right to repair story or movement out now to where uh federal agencies the government is starting to put pressure on hardware manufacturers electronics you know you think of the iphone for example prime example you know apple has long been like you know yeah uh we don't want y'all opening up the iphone to to fix it or changing up because one you may mess with the you know experience or whatever their reasons are right um they're starting to be a pushback from uh, the industry to uh, make this whole right to repair movement to where, you know, companies like Apple are going to have to either A, make it more accessible for people to, once I buy the product, I should be able to go in and choose if I want to fix it, if I want to improve it, upgrade it, or whatever the case may be. You know, it may, you know, this right to repair movement says, well, why am I paying, you know, Apple twelve hundred dollars for a phone to where something goes wrong with it? You know, I'm at the 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 I'm at the mercy of this company when I could very well take it apart, fix it myself. So all that to say around the world, you know, don't feel in such a hurry to where if something goes wrong, you know, you may be able to tinker with it and able to repair it. You know, like I said, in this case, one of the buttons wasn't working on my uh, joystick 
And instead of just throwing it in the trash and going to get another one, I actually took some time, you know, got some old tools out and was able to fix my stuff. You know, mm-hmm. so I was, I was pretty proud of that. So <laughs> that was my that was my point. You know, the hookup for this week is, you know, if you've got an old gadget or something laying around or something that you use on a daily basis, you know, you may be surprised that you can actually get in there and fix it. So that's my hookup for the week. Fix your own stuff. Cool. And I have to say the same thing happened with my magic mouse. It kept dropping connection. I just popped open. I did some Googles, popped open the back, put some aluminum in there to make the contacts right up on it, on the battery. Mm-hmm. Haven't had any problems since. Yep. All right. Um, that is it for this week. Definitely make sure to download, rate, and review us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can definitely hit us up on, on the social medias. Uh, we're at SnobOSCast everywhere. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, definitely be sure to check us out on YouTube. We're at SnobOSCast. Make sure you like and subscribe to our channel to get all the notifications when we drop a new episode. Also, feel free to leave us any comments or suggestions or thoughts on the show at snobwestcast.com which is our website or you can shoot us over an email at snobwestcast at gmail.com finally there are two ways you can support our show you can support our show via patreon by going to patreon.com slash snobwestcast and for five dollars a month you get access to our pre-show content which is our snobbish show you also get access to same day live show taping as well as access to our chat community. Also, the second way you can show support for our show is to drop us off a love offering over at PayPal. You can do that by going to paypal.me slash snobos. And that is it for this week. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you all next week. Peace. Bye.